there and welcome to episode three of the Science and Dance podcast. Today I'm talking to Dan Lonsdale, who is a strength and conditioning coach. And recently Dan started up his own strength and conditioning business, specializing in consulting for gymnastics. Today on the episode, we talk about early specialization, screening, and how he likes to embed his strength and conditioning practices into the world of gymnastics. One particular part of the conversation, which I look forward to you all hearing, is how Dan likes to build a relationship with the gymnastics coach that he works with. And similarly, he gives some insight into how best to approach young athletes who are starting out in strength and conditioning and helping them along the way to learning about landing mechanics and various strength and conditioning techniques. Hope you enjoy. So I'm with uh, Dan Lonsdale, who is a strength and conditioning coach for uh, gymnastics primarily at the moment, but he's got a, a lengthy background in, in, in lots of different sports. So hi, Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much. Um, for the people that um, don't know um, you, I'm going to ask yeah. you to give a bit of background in a second, but uh, primarily I'm going to tell people the reason that I, I've asked you to come on today. Um, and obviously working in a sport that is so highly uh demanding on skills. Um, I guess I see many parallels to, to dance and uh, what we do. So I just wanted to bring you on and talk about your take on a, an artistic, essentially, an artistic discipline, an artistic sport, and how SNC integrates into that so well, because it seems to have such a great blend. So if you wouldn't mind uh, giving people a, a brief background of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and where you're at now. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and be brief. Um, so I went to Edinburgh Uni, um, did applied sports science, so that's like a four-year degree. Um, and then after that, uh, basically I always wanted to be an SSC coach even before university, so I sort of had my route planned, um, which tells you everything about me. Um, is I went to uni and then I knew I needed an internship, so I was fortunate enough to get on um, an internship through Sport 981 with Durham University in partnership. So basically Sport 981 provided... Um, like the workshops and qualifications along the way and um, Durham obviously just provided that like just like in the trenches doing the work day on day but with mentorship alongside it and then after that year I was fortunate enough to, to gain full-time employment at, at Durham Uni um, where I was just blessed I sort of worked with my mentors for I don't know five six years um, and it was just like a high multi-sport environment so if you name a sport there's a high chance I've probably probably done it even for a season or assisted on it at least um, and then during my time towards the end at Durham I set up like a youth scheme called the Durham Institute of Sport um, and that was a council funded uh, like support scheme in partnership with the uni um, and that provided athletes who trained or lived in, in County Durham support to nutrition, physiotherapy, strength and conditioning support for ourselves, access to facilities. Um, so I, I, I sort of led that, I led the rugby programme and then I led like the Women's Super League, um, sort of Durham Wildcats up there and I did that for, I think it was three years, was like, that was my final stint so I sort of focused in a little bit more towards the end and then recently um, I moved down to Nottingham, so two years ago, I've gone full circle and I'm working for Sport 981 again which is just sort of um, industry leading in, in certain areas, working from university all the way up to Olympic sport professional. And then very recently, I've just launched my own consultancy um, in gymnastics. So it's just like, yeah, it's just Dan Lonsdale. Gymnastics, strength and conditioning is what I've launched. Um, so it's early days, but it's going well. I'm just loving being back in that environment, if I'm honest with you. Highly competitive. <laughs> Highly competitive. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, that gives a really interesting background for everybody in terms of uh, how multi-sport you are. Um, again, working as part of a university setting, you would see right from elite athletes right the way through to novices, essentially. So people starting out in strength and conditioning and people that have already got some preconception or some, some experience with it. Exactly. Um, 
and that's uh, I guess possibly different to the cultures that you experience in gymnastics. Maybe they've not had the exposure to um, S and C before. Is is that is that the case, or have some? Is it changed? Is it changed over the last yeah. few years? If you're if you're at the top level, obviously you have that support through the institute sport. Um, but then anything below that, there's there's little to no. Um, there's no S and C coaches like with gyms, or very rarely. Um, I know they try and put education courses on for them, um, but I think they're quite sporadic. So normally when I walk in a gym, sometimes that's the first time an athlete has ever even heard of the word strength and conditioning. So, yeah, it's um, a bit daunting for them to begin with, but they seem to settle into it. And certainly certainly like the young gymnasts, have, maybe if they've been doing national stuff or they've ever done trialling or anything like that, then maybe they've had some exposure to some of the things that you're wanting to do but certainly not a not a program or anything formal yeah like being coached on that week like daily probably not no. okay i mean uh, that's uh, again a, a, a parallel that we draw some companies uh, certainly dance companies have internal provision for whether it's physiotherapy so, or um, sports maybe some sports science but down in um, dance schools you know we don't have necessarily um, an snc coach to hand um, uh, yeah, yeah. At, at all uh, schools it's it's picking up drastically um, yeah. S&C coaches or lots of good physiotherapy provision certainly um, we, we're still we're, dance is still on the uh, trying to be much more proactive in its approach to, to injury risk um, yeah. but still we kind of prioritise what happens if you get injured um, right. so do you deal uh, with rehabilitation of gymnasts as well or is it more uh, the the performance element yeah so i would always do some some rehab later stage um physio normally do a fabulous job of you know getting them back to where they need to if i'm honest um but then yeah once they return and, and everything's where it should be then obviously like, if, if i'm in the gym that's where i would i would do some rehab as well yeah um, but for me i'm the same as you uh, it sounds like there's Trying to prevent it is the key thing. Um, it's it's just that no one wants their athlete to be to be sat in a booth for you know upwards of like nine months. Whether that's the coach, the S and C coach, you know the national governing body, and anyone, nobody wants that because it's just time spent. It's technically it's wasted in my opinion. You know they're learning in an, in an early development sport. So it, based upon that kind of risk mitigation or prevention style, obviously you're not trying to predict, you're just trying to you know, get rid of some, any risk that there might be for that particular gymnast. Yeah. Where do you kind of sit on the, the screening monitoring spectrum and how much of a, a simplistic role does that play for gymnastics? Obviously, as you said before, they're doing these highly complex things and I'm yeah. betting that the screening and monitoring looks pretty simple and compared to that. So... So how does that work for gymnastics? I just try and keep it as simple as possible. So I'm a big believer in if you're going to screen or monitor or whatever we're calling it these days, um, that if you use the results, it's useful. If you don't, don't do it. Because it's, you know, it's time, but you can spend your time better elsewhere. But I take a really simple approach to it. So I look at just the moment. How does it look? Um, so I do some simple screens so I do a simple overhead screen a simple single leg screen a shoulder clearing test and then obviously I would normally have a little look in the split positions as well so, just, so pretty crucial stuff pretty crucial stuff specifically for gymnastics even though it's S&C based or it's movement based movement science based it's still relative to what they spend their time doing so yeah, yeah. so for, just, just to give us an example of, of you know you talked about the shoulder clearance what what does that involve, and why might you why have you chosen to do that as an example? So we do, I do, I do two. So I do one when they're stood up, and basically we get them to to go into shoulder flexion, um, and it, we just ask them to do that and what that looks like, and what's the effect. So for me, what's the knock on effect of you putting your hands over your head? Because everyone can put their hands over the head. I would like to think gymnastics, but what's what's happening down the chain? So you know. We've got massive lumbar extension in order for you to get over there because that's a flag. Um, and then what I would do is then I would take the hips out of it. So then I would sit them down and we would do a seated, a sheet, a seated clearing test as well. And it just sort of tries to paint a picture. My screening process 
goes from postural all the way to clearing. Um, and then we do like a little bit of um, manual muscle as well, just to make sure like everything's fine as well. It just paints a picture. So I make decisions all the way through. And how do you, how do you use that? How is that? Uh, how often are you doing that? And how you say, you're saying, obviously, if, it, if it, you're not going to use it, don't do it, which is a great, a great advice for anybody doing any, wanting to do any screening or monitoring. Um, but how, how are you using that in terms of your coaching and your uh, strength and conditioning programming? Or, and when do you test it again? Yeah, so I try and look at um, the way I do it. I, I, sometimes I'm contracted into gyms for like a 12-month period. Um, so what we do is we do like an initial halfway and an end or a 12-month. I wouldn't like to think it's an end. I would like to think that it goes on again. Um, and it's just a snapshot. Is, is movement improving? Because if it is, I can guarantee you that they're getting better as gymnasts, mm. um, like easily. Um, and then, what was the what was the other second part? Of that yeah, part? the second part of that was like, if you, how often are you, how often are you doing that? And obviously, you're you're trying to improve all those those measures, and yeah. Okay, yeah. You, you do see a direct kind of relationship between what they can do and what they're able to do in the gym. So. How often, when would you might, what, you'd have a training program and then screen them again? Yeah, so we would, like I said, six months. Um, and then what we would do is we would, we would put interventions in, in the meantime. So we would do prep prior to training where we try and, we try and get them into the best possible position to, to hit the shapes that, that the coach is asking them to do. Um, we would also do like individual work. So say I'm talking to a coach. Um, and I know that athlete has, has got like um, anterior anterior tilt type type front of hip, and she's seeing an issue. And I think it's physical. That allows me to sort of pull that athlete out of the session, um, and sort of do some modifications, and then try and reintegrate them and see if that affects the skill. Um, and that's sort of part of my integrated with the coach one on one. Um, and then we would then just do some very basic strength and conditioning. So um, getting stable, getting strong introducing some plyometric work, looking at um, jumping and landing in its simplest form and then expanding upon it. Um, and then we just re-screen and have a look. But all of those parts play a part in improving your screen. It's not just your stretching and your rolling. It's, it's, it's all of that movement will improve you know, your, your, your screen and your performance is the key thing. Transfers into performance. And obviously the, the performance that you do in gymnastics essentially is pretty aesthetic you know it's the art yeah. the ideal it's all skill based and that's um, similar to dance it's subjective and you get scored so how do you kind of is is that how you find value of snc in gymnastics um or are you are you quite interested in your your injury rates too and keeping those those low obviously i kind of i come from the background of if you can reduce risk, that kind of does help performance because it makes your athlete more available. Um, but is, is that where the value lies for you? Yeah, I think I think you've got to look at looking after that athlete first. First and foremost, make sure that you know they aren't going to get injured. Um, so protect them. It's massive. And then I think the other part of it is you know enhancing performance as well. Um, yeah, making sure that they're safe and that when they land, they're landing in good positions and they're stable and strong enough to cope with that. Yeah, 100%. It's got to come first because at the end of the day, there's a duty of care there from all of us as well. Um, so for me, that you know, that comes first, looking after that young athlete and making sure they do it. So, I mean, an example that I would give you from dance is that in because I am a strength coach, people come up to me and say, right, I want my leg to go higher, I want to be more flexible. And very often the first port of call for me isn't probably doesn't start where they want the result. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not necessarily going to just look at that one singular thing to begin with. Yeah. How easy is it for you to, and, and just if you give us a bit of information and, and background on how you uh, explain to coaches and or maybe gymnastics coaches, the importance of good landing mechanics um, because you've got in gymnastics I'm thinking right about thinking of this you've got some landings that come up short and to me that would look like a deep landing and then you've got some people that land really really shallow in a landing position land very very hard um, so is that's obviously something that you want to to 
minimize the risk at that point so is, where do you start with talking to coaches about landing mechanics and jumping so we again like the, the screen is my my opening conversation for that so if you've got an athlete and, and they're doing a simple squat and their knees are coming together there's a high chance that that's going to then transfer over to when they land so i would use that as, as the door to open that conversation with the coaches you know i've seen this on the screen um when they land i see this like literally when I ask them to jump up in the air and just land again without doing anything, they see this. So then I would just open that conversation as soon as possible with the coach and then just sort of say, you know, this is what we need to we need to be working on with with this athlete or maybe it's a, it's a gym issue. You know, at the moment they're not all landing as well as we should. And I try and spin that as like twofold. So similar to the last question is, if we can get them landing better, they're going to be safer. So hopefully we'll see a reduction in injuries. You know, it's still sport at the end of the day, so we are going to get some of those things that unfortunately you can't avoid. And then the other one is, if we can get them better at landing, they're actually going to get better scores as well. So, because at some point when you come off the apparatus, they have to land. Like, it's not it's not an option for them, so we should be working on that, that as well. Yeah, so landing is aesthetic. Land, landing has to be aesthetic. Yeah, there's they're scored on the elements of that so um, for me it's just trying to, to highlight that the landing is important as well as the skill um, and I think gymnastics coaches have a really difficult job because I think they're trying to coax something really complex when it's in the air and then when, when the landing occurs sometimes I think that, the, that there's modifi- modifications to be made beforehand so I think sometimes it gets neglected slightly and um, and I sort of use the analogy of sort of learning to uh, like run before you can walk. So why would you learn to do something complex before you can decelerate it and stick it? Mm. If that yeah. makes sense. No, that does. That's that's really key. Um, you know, a Q and A that comes up for me regularly is I want to improve my leaps. Yeah. Um, and you do have to reverse engineer the process, I guess. Um, yeah. But, but speaking about jumping, I guess, you know, you, you've probably got some athletes that are gymnasts that are naturally springy. You've got some athlete gymnasts that are naturally more live, more on the flexibility spectrum um, and probably don't have the, the, the impulse that they need. So where do you stand on doing like plyometrics and what, what does your jump progressions, what do your jump progressions kind of look like for making somebody become a little bit more springy? I think it's just, Similar, like, you know, we've spoken before and it's just keeping it simple. So start with landing and then look at jumping and landing. Um, can you do it on two feet and one feet, like one foot? And then just start to add complexity to it. Complexity to it slowly. So um, like small hurdle bounds, hopping on the spot, leaping. Um, and it's just, just trying to slowly add that in. Um but what I found is actually if you do like a little minimal dose of plyo like every couple of days, I find that that actually helps them just learn learn how to be a little bit stiffer as well because it's a skill. So if you you know if you spend time teaching them, you know we need you to be when you land, we're looking for you to leave the floor as quick as possible. They they sort of they get that really well because they're very coachable athletes in general. Mm. I can imagine very similar dances. You say something and they can do it, which is which is very rare sometimes with some of the other athletes I've learned with. I guess I guess the the difference um, only lies with dance in the sense that often um, co- people are coached in very big groups, and everybody does everything together. Yeah. Um, which makes coaching actually the art of coaching really really tough because often you know coaching sessions one-to-one for anybody are quite rare but I see a lot of individual feedback in gymnastics and that's great and there is loads of dance teachers that do on the whole give loads of individual feedback but everybody does everything together at once rather than one at a time so it can be difficult for them to give solid technical advice on each person every time and I guess what I'm, what I'm dri- the question I'm driving towards is their coach's eye 
is so important and in, in the coach's eye in, in, in ballet and dance is, is so enhanced because they can see all these different people doing lots of things at once. And then something you talked about before, which was like, you do a lot of simplicity. So when it comes to um, jumping and landing, do you, do, you, do you teach the coaches what to look for as well? Yeah, I try, I try and involve the coach in as much, as much of the conversation as possible. Um, and that's just learn. Funny enough, that's learned from multi-sport. It's like in multi-sport, head coach is king. So like if you're working basketball, head coach is king. So getting getting a gymnastics coach involved with the process doesn't mean doing it. So I don't want to see you jumping and landing, but I want you to to do to be looking at it with me and we're having the discussion. Um, and then that way, it's just an option. It's easy for them to then ask you questions because it's not. I don't consider it my area of expertise. It's ours. So then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're not afraid to say, well, why is that happening? And then all of a sudden you have a conversation and then they're like, oh, I get it. Okay, and you're like, perfect. Because now that coach sees it, they spend significantly more time with the athletes than I do. Mm. So they can then start to help them with their landings as well. So if, if, if there's um, a strength coach and a, and a gymnastics coach and the gymnastics coach was to say, I want her or him to be able to do a bit more of this, I want them to land they've seen it or they wanted to land with the knees out obviously it might flag up to you uh add to your needs analysis is is there are there times where you're learning from the gymnastics coach what they need and so and how much time therefore do you spend just observing gymnastics or observing coaching yeah so if i'm Basically, the rule I have for myself is if I'm if I'm not coaching, so if I'm not um, delivering strength and conditioning to the gymnasts, I'm observing or I'm talking to a coach. Um, so I believe heavily in this like integrated approach. Um, and a good example of it is when I work with like my good friend Nick. We literally stand together, and I, granted, I'm not saying things, but then he's he's saying, "Listen, have you seen that shape? Have you seen what's happening with the core of the action?" Normally, I'm going, no, I, don't, I haven't. So can, you, can, you, can you explain it to someone who isn't a gymnast and he does? And then I understand it and I go, actually, you know what might help with that? And then obviously, he's open to that suggestion as well. Mm. Uh, and the key thing for me is, is because I'm, I class myself as integrated with that head coach, um, it just builds like a massive level of trust so then they trust what you say because you are clearly trusting on what they're doing. And then in a similar breath, I guess coming down to the athlete and, and really yeah. working and talking to the athlete is you've got um, probably some really highly skilled gymnasts um, who are in the teens yeah. and they want to, obviously they've probably come through, they've spent some time with you and they know the importance of, of what you do. Um, yeah. but, they, but many of them just want to, just want to do gymnastics. They just want to do the skills and do them well and they, they want to get the tricks right. So how do you, how do you bridge that gap and how do you um, talk to the gymnasts to get them to understand the importance of s &C? It's It's all just education for them. So basically the reason we're doing this is because of this or can you feel this working or what can you feel working is what I find interesting. And it's just trying to get them bought into that process as soon as possible. So the clubs that are doing it with their young athletes, for me, are getting it right. So when they hit the teenage years where some athletes naturally just sometimes go a little bit quiet and they, they don't say as much for maybe a two-year period before they bounce out of it or a three-year period, um, it's vital. Because if you do it when they start, they're really used to it. Um, but yeah, just... Just, just be a coach and just ask them questions and make it enjoyable. Show that you're interested in them as athletes and as people, not just um, like things that are, that are performing routines on a bar. So I'll always try, and if the athlete's the correct age, I'll always try and involve them in the conversation. So I recently screened an athlete um, the other day, and she, she had one hamstring, one, one like hamstring tighter than the other. Mm. Um, but what I did is, you know, she's 16, so I said to her, you know, do you want me to speak to you or your coach? And she was like, well, me. So I said, okay, fine. And this is what I'm seeing. This is why I'm seeing it. This is why I want you to go away and, and implement this little routine. And, she, and because of that, she's done it since. 
So it's if you want to take ownership and you're old enough to do so, I'm more than happy for you to do that. If you want me to lead it, but then we'll have a good time doing it, that's also going to help for buy-in as well, you know, when they're younger. Mm. It's just making sure that they're smiling and they're happy and they're encouraged. It's a key thing, an encouraging environment for them. Hi everyone, this is just a reminder you're listening to the Science and Dance podcast. Today we're talking to Dan Lonsdale. Really hope you're enjoying it. Feel free to leave a comment and any feedback that you'd like to give about this episode or any suggestions that you'd have for future episodes and who you'd like to hear from and who you'd like us to speak to in the future. So, so I mean, I guess you talk about the yearly progression there and, and like from a young age to an older age and hopefully over time, the more S&C coaches there are from a young age in gymnastics, the better off this situation will be. But you've probably got gymnasts, as you said to me earlier, that are doing like 22 to 26 hours a week. Yeah. And, and I've seen the same, um, same in, in, in Cheshire. Um, however, we know, and through the research, that early specialization for certain sports is essential for their skill development. But is that the same, is, is, is there as much of a problem there as well? In the sense that dance, we, we do specialise really early. We start dance really, really young. I think to, with the, the, the amount of hours that people dance aren't as quite as intense as gymnastics. Um, but we do have dancers that simply dance from a young age and don't do anything else. And then some of them go to vocational dance schools at the age of 11. So, and then they're not necessarily exposed to other sports. Um, certainly some dancers that I've got that have danced since the age of three and never played a sport can't catch a ball or you know struggle with some balance and they certainly struggle with agility tasks because they are doing choreographed routines all the time yeah, and I throw a ball I throw a ball at them and it sort of hits me in the face <laughs> well not quite but yeah but is early specialization in gymnastics where it's is it essential do it should we not should we strive for it should we not what's what's the take I think it's the, the nature of the sport is that it's required because it's so complex in the things that they have to learn. So the sooner they do it, the more they can learn it. Um, but I also think that there, you know, there is a responsibility there for you to create a well-rounded athlete. Um, and we never, we actually never truly know where that athlete's going to end up, particularly in early specialization sports. So a, a gymnast who starts at, at six or you know even younger than Dukes they come into rec you actually don't know where they're going to end up or when they finish so if you have an athlete that finishes at six and all she's done is gymnastics and she's learned those skills it's very limited but if if you give them the skills to then transfer into another sport which we know happens a lot you know I think that's the key thing for me and that's been striking for me as I've as I've sort of got older as well I'm not particularly sure why is when they finish gymnastics, I would love them to go into something else and then into something else. I would, rather than, you know, just you've had your stint and that's mm. it and you're done. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're struggling to, you know, or if you have got a gymnast that has, isn't doing multi-sport, for example, it, maybe put it in the warm-up and start playing games in the warm-up that involves like throwing and catching, changing direction, you know, things that they're not used to, um, like running backwards. Like, <laughs> just... Think, try and mm. fill in the missing pieces of the puzzle that maybe they're not getting in that little 20-minute, 10-minute warm-up game that you have every day. You do it every day. You know, you've got, you know, 50 to, an, you know, 16 minutes a week. And by 52, you're exposing them to a lot of new little skills that they've maybe never done. Mm. So, so I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess when there's, um, when you're doing like 20 to 20, 20 to 30 hours or something a week, there's got to be some yeah. fun thrown in somewhere, right? You know, and just a bit of playtime. Yeah, it's got to just be an enjoyable, enjoyable environment. I couldn't imagine a better way to start the day. Because, it, it, you know, listen, everyone has bad training sessions. Like, if you've ever played sport, you know sometimes you turn up, you have a shocker, you have no idea why. But actually, that little 10-minute game at the beginning of the session might be the highlight of your day, but at least you've had one. Mm. Where if you come in and it's just this very stringent, do this, then this, then this, Where's your highlight of the day if you've had a bad training session, which everybody has? Yeah, I think I think we're lucky, certainly at the dance uh, college that I 
I work at, I mean, everybody does everything in the same way that, that, um, in gymnastics, they all, at a young age, they'll do all, all the apparatus. Um, and there's something for probably something for everybody in certain days, but that nevertheless, there are days that people are like, Oh, you know what? I don't have my favorite genre of dance today. Um, yeah. you need a win from somewhere. And yeah. I, sometimes I find S and C can be that win. As you yeah, say, as you fine. say, well, so how much? I guess that ask question that I don't have written down is: Do you play a a good like a, a solid pastoral role with your with your gymnast as well as um as a different voice? And how important is that for you? See gymnastics probably for what it is, and you're not necessarily totally emotionally invested as because you're not a gymnastics coach. So yeah. do you add an element of of perspective to this those scenarios? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think. I think sometimes it's quite nice. So if an athlete hasn't had a bad day, then they come to you. That it's up to you to make sure that they, like you said, get that win from the day. Um, it doesn't mean that you're trying to be their favourite person all the time. It's just that you naturally sometimes are because there's no pressure to it. I don't select what to do. I don't write you routines. I don't decide whether you go to camp or comps. Like that's not that's not my role. So I think if I can just alleviate a little bit of pressure for the day so then that they can come in tomorrow and perform. I'm more than happy to take that role of, of just, you know, calming them down and making sure that, you know, they get something done for the day that's going to help them improve for tomorrow or the rest of the week. I mean, that resonates quite quite profoundly with me. I mean, you know, we do dances in particular in certain gym, gymnasts. It's, it's subjective. Um, yeah. So, yeah, okay, so they might catch the bar or they might not, but... There's no like tackles made, goals scored aspect to it, and you probably it's easy for a gymnast to go in that way and really be hard on themselves as to why that didn't happen. And that what I like to say to the dancers is, look, you come and do your S and C. It's quite singular, so you very much get out what you put in. Um, and the simple simplistic nature of it means it's quite easy to improve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, do you think that when you do S and C with your gymnasts? Um, and to what extent does it offer them a bit of respite as well? Because the intensity won't necessarily be as high as what they're doing. Yeah. And, 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 and then on top of that, I guess the question that I'm asking is, um, volume and intensity wise, S and C in gymnastics, where do you stand on making sure you're not adding insult to injury in, ter of, in terms yeah. of volume? It's a good question. Um, and I, I, I'm going to say the horrible answer of like it obviously just depends mm. um, which is like an SSC's go-to but I think it's as long as that training program in the week like technical is, is balanced and it appears balanced and normally by doing that you can use your eyes and see do they look knackered have they got loads of injuries you know do they look like they don't want to be there if, if you're not seeing any of those things there's a high chance it's it is balanced and it's sensibly planned, and you've obviously had a word with the coach. So then, if you just add and make sure you have clear targets for the day, or for the cycle, or for the week, I think that's fine. So if you understand what you're chasing, you're not adding insult to injury, um, as long as you're being sensible with your your loading and the amount of volume you're doing. So yeah. do, 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 situations do situations occur where you're having to modify the program that you've written? Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So <laughs> normally it's if things start to get like a little bit cranky, so that they come in and they've got to make some pains. That's a we just modify it um, because I'm sort of I've got a long term vision for, for for them, not like short term next comp sort of approach. So for me, it's yes, they need to get results along the way, but it's making sure that they're healthy and, and, and happy along that way as well. Mm. So yeah, I would modify as well. And, and, and depending on the severity of what I'm seeing, it depends on the modification we get, if that makes sense. And if you've got some like experienced gymnasts mm -hmm. um, who have obviously been coached by you for a while, um, yeah. what does their kind of S&C look like? Are they, are they doing some, 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 stru some structured strength work? Are they doing some deadlifts? Are they doing some compound um, so, movements like that some gym what does their gym work look like and I mean that by like strength and conditioning gym work look like traditional gym 
So having just started my consultancy, I'm sort of back into the swing of things. So I'm probably not at the stage with any of the ones I've had to start it in the new year. But what it would look like would be, you know, some sensibly selected exercises done very well. Um, and you might have heard me say it before, but I'm just a big believer in just doing the, like the basics, but brilliantly well. So, like for me, if they're going to do uh, a trap bar deadlift or a, a goblet squat or a back squat or a leg press, so let's make sure that you're you're doing it with intent and we're not being passive through our feet and our posture. Um, but that's where that's where I would go with it, 100%. Sensibly selected exercises. Once you've got a great training age and you know, and obviously, I, I imagine it's similar to dance. Like we have, like, um, I, obviously, I write the pair of periodization for us, and it and it's very much uh, a, like a concurrent program in the sense that we're trying to maximize all our abilities at the same time. You know, we don't go through those traditional S and C cycles where we're doing like strength or in muscular endurance familiarization. Like that doesn't actually happen in practice for us. Yeah. So, how do you, you you got to obviously make sure you get your bang for your buck. So, are you placing more when you do your strength work? Are you placing it more emphasis probably on bigger compound strength work, or is it like single leg kind of strength work or single arm, or is it yeah. very skill specific strength work? It's very similar to to yourself, really. It's like my approach to it is try and train a little bit of everything at the right time, um, making sure that we have done some double some single legs, some single arm work, um, depending on their, like the age of the athlete, that like might just be body weight and just exposing them to, you know, some single leg exercises as, as well as, you know, some jumping and landing in there as well. It's a good strength exercise in itself. Um, so that's my approach. It sounds very similar to you, just try and thread the right things in all the time and just as the age, just, just progressing it on a little bit. Mm. And, and progressing that in, in different ways. So that can be intensity of weight, what you're doing. It can be um, exercise complexity. Um, it, you know, it can be a number of ways of um, expressing that intensity. It's not always just, you know, more weight. It can be millions of ways of doing so. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, it, to be honest, uh, it really sounds like we need to get you into the world of ballet as well because that's that it fits so, so in or dance in general because... Um, we need that coaching approach. I mean, we are trying to maximize many different things at the same time, keep people fresh, make sure they can go and do the sessions and rehearsals that they need to be able to do. Um, and also build like quality relationships with a traditional coaches. Um, and it kind of brings me nicely to like, if you've got a, a new setting, if you're a new coach, a new sport coach i call it a sport coach new gymnastics coach that wants to get an snc coach in um how much would you advise that that snc coach knows about gymnastics because it's obviously a very 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 specific art uh, you know discipline so you've really got to spend some time learning about gymnastics right yeah i think so i think I think as a head coach, you can you can bring in whoever you want, first and foremost. But my advice would be, if you do bring someone in who hasn't got gymnastics experience, you've got to allow them time to adapt and figure it out. Um, and that and, and it's different to other sports as that takes time. It's mm. so complex. It's so quick. Mm. It takes ages for them to develop any sort of coaching eye of um, like flips and twists and rotations. But my advice would be try and get someone who has a little understanding of it because it just it'll accelerate that process. So you might be saying, oh, you know, I'm not seeing this movement. They have no idea. And to be fair, you know, I still find myself, you know, if I'm coaching and the coach says, oh, you know, they're not doing it when they do this. But it's having someone who's brave enough to say, listen, I don't know. Can you explain that to me? You know, to someone who was a very average rugby player, you know what I mean. That's how that's who you're speaking to. So you need to explain what that gymnastics movement is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would I would always advise someone who has that knowledge. I think if you are a coach going into it, if anyone's listening to that, is upskill yourself as quick as possible. Be nosy and ask questions, but make sure you're asking questions at the right time as well. So, you know, if, if someone's having a terrible bar routine, 
it's probably not the time to ask why they're falling off just yet. Like, you know, let that problem solve itself and then ask the coach maybe at a later date. But, but yeah, don't shy away. Be inquisitive. Ask questions. Ask the gymnast things as well because they've done it for years. So they're like a fountain of knowledge. Also, it means that you don't have to ask their coach if it sounds too silly. Mm. So, sounds people. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's... Um... Interesting considering the, the, one of my most frequent questions from people that are coming out of dance careers is I want to do strength and conditioning for dancers. Yeah. And um, we touched on this before, before the show and we were talking about S&C yeah. coach training and the specialism of, and you've worked in literally as many sports as I could probably think of, as, as you say, being from a university setting. Um, but the advice that I usually give is kind of that if you want to do dance S&C, you need to specialize. You don't, you shouldn't specialize. <laughs> you know, you really should draw as expertise from as many places as possible. And, but the question to you is, I guess, when you're speaking to your gymnast or the gymnastics coaches, do you ever refer to other sports? Or yeah, do, you, so do, you, do you ever draw parallels? I try to, yeah. Obviously, what I found with gymnastics coaches as well is they are, they're really ingrained in gymnastics. So some of them aren't, aware of other sports so I'm, I'm cautious about which ones I use but the, the one I use the most is um, is basketball so basically no one cares how a basketballer lands but they always care about how high they jump and then the result of that is is that when they land they hurt themselves mm. because all you want to see is you want to see the dunk but you don't want to see the landing um, and and that was one of my earliest thoughts in gymnastics is like, this is literally just like basketball. It's like, it's all about the money moves. And then sometimes the landings, it's just like part and parcel. It's like, well, it's, yeah. guaranteed you, it's guaranteed you're going to come back down to earth. Yeah, you're so, not going to get hurt like, in the air. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's a big parallel I've taken is like teaching people to jump high before we teach them to land. And that, and that will always be my approach to jumping and landing in gymnastics. And funny enough, it's come from basketball. Two very different, two very different creatures, two very different sets of athletes. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting parallel to draw there. I mean, uh, I'm, I guess that's probably one I should use. Um, but certainly, you know, I, I do you do see um, as an S and C coach, you're kind of drawn to the the risks before you're drawn to the the brilliance of what the the sport is. Do you know what I mean? You're looking at the potential areas where um things could go wrong so yeah. i guess that ties into the more experience you have looking at a variety of different types of movement yeah the better um yeah. dance coaches are really really are really really interested in sport to be honest um okay. and they are st- some of some are very 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 traditional and some really will want to keep dance completely separate from sport because it's an art form and that's the way it is like, but it yeah. but it's at the same time it's terribly athletic um, yeah. and we and we um, strive to repeat things and get things clinically perfect so do you do you ever advise gymnastics coaches on kind of volume and intensity of their sessions and and do you ever do you ever look at things and look at a program and go my gosh you're going you're doing too many volts or you're doing the floor routine too many times or do you think they're quite good at getting the periodization of their own programs right I think they have a good art of it I think I think have a good art and they're all individual in their own style to doing it. They understand what's required. Um, I think if you were to work somewhere full time, you know, I'm a consultant, so I'm very aware that I sort of dip in and out. Mm. Um, but I will always try and advise, you know, so if they need help with that, I will. Um, but if I was a full time, I would, I would sort of have a good look about what that is. 100%. Do you think, well, I guess what I'm asking, does periodization naturally occur? in gymnastics yeah it does i think i think they see it as blocks of training and then there's a taper um as in like there's a block and then they'll, they'll taper for comp yeah uh, i think sometimes when i hear taper and they say taper it's two different things um but i think that's maybe where that that initial periodization conversation might come in is is when we're getting to comp, how are we all going to work together to sort of sharpen the sword and get ourselves in the right place? Um, so that's where I would start with how many volts and how many things you're doing. Um, one person who is looking at it um, in a really interesting way is, is Dave Tilly. 
and he's he's been talking to Tim Gabbett yeah. on some of this thing. So Tim, he, Tim's been heavily involved in ballet quite recently as well, so that's interesting. I think he's sort of, he's, he's everything, he's covered as many sports as he can, which is awesome, so he's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're looking at that as well as like the complexity of skill, complexity of piece, and then um, t- like adding like a, a value to it. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely one that I would I would speak to one hundred percent. And then obviously the other one who you know well is is Nick. So then you would go the other technical side of things is how do, like as a technical coach, how do you plan that as well? Mm. Which would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. And obviously, off air, we've kind of talked about the nitty gritty of of training plyos and feet and everything. Um, yeah. But I, I guess the conclusion that I'm coming to from speaking to you is that there are a lot of um, parallels to be drawn here um, between gymnastics and dance. I think um, so. Yeah. Dance in over the last five years has seen a huge influx of gymnastics into dance routines especially on like the competition dance scene and it's usually it's probably gymnastics probably taught badly so i guess our injury rates probably are going through the roof as a result of people trying to do aerials but they're not trained by gymnastics coaches but that's that's more of a cultural movement than anything else Mm -hmm. but certainly the requirement of um teaching people basics s and c it, it seems very apparent in, in gymnastics. And I think so far, I mean, just there, you've given us some really interesting insight and like, look, we're looking at some screening, we're looking at some monitoring, we want a before and after picture, we want to make a difference. And essentially your silver bullet is, well, if they can get on and do more repetition well and they're not injured and they're more mobile and able, then the chances of them getting it right are higher. I mean, how and my final kind of question is: If you take multi-sport, mm-hmm. um, and you take uh, maybe football or rugby that you've worked with, is is that is that a similar kind of idea in in football or rugby? Obviously, you can improve people's sprint speed, you can improve people's jump height. Um, usually, the best thing for somebody to improve at football or rugby is by playing football or rugby. Yeah. So, would you take a similar approach, whether it was team sport or gymnastics? I think I think team sports are a lot a lot further down the line in the sense that the coaches now want the data. That's what I found working in it is they want to know what's going on and they want to know why, um, and and it's making its way in. And I I definitely agree with it in certain senses, but I think we are just going down the route where like sometimes S and C coaches are just seen as like spreadsheet warriors. So like, <laughs> they just bang out some good spreadsheets. They can explain it to the coach that this much you know, kilometers have been done. What I quite like about, it sounds like ballet at the moment, it sounds like gymnastics is, there's there's definitely some, some good work going on and people are taking data. Oh, for 100%. sure, for sure. But they use it, they're using it and they're using it day to day or they're using it to inform their day to day. So, I like that, I like, I like that, I like that day to day thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting considering you probably see different things in research than you do day to day. Exactly. So I think sometimes it's, that's what, I'll, I'll always be one of those, like I, I want to be in the environment and I want to be immersed in it because I think that's where you're going to help the most. And that's for me is if I can help the most, I'm, I'm a happy bunny. If I sort of feel like I'm not, um, that's where me as a, a coach will struggle. It's like I'll, I'll advise on things, but I'd rather be in there trying to help day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, depending on how the package is set up, you know? Yeah, I think, I think contact time with, with athletes for S&C coaches is a big factor. Yeah. Um, you know, the, certainly, um, certainly in these high-skill sports. Yeah, definitely. definitely well, I agree. well, Dan, thank you so much. That's uh, well, over 40, 40 minutes, as I said, of, um, of great stuff there. And uh, I think it would be, I think... Uh, Dance teachers would be in the kind of uh, Nottingham area. Would be um, well advised to to give to give you a shout. And do you think would you be up for uh, for giving dance a little look and uh, perhaps getting involved there? I think people would take your arm off. hundred <laughs> percent. I think initially, if you'd asked me about what is it an hour and thirty six minutes ago, I probably would have been like, "Oh, I don't know," because it's very specialist. But we've had a conversation. 
uh, and the like, similarities are ridiculous. Like mm. the way we've spoken is is really similar. So yeah, I would love to. I'd love to get in and help any way I can. So well, there, there you go, folks. If if you're in Nottingham, um, give Dan Lonsdale a shout because he will happily come and watch a class or maybe even do I don't know. But um, if people if if people are looking to to reach out, Dan or you know follow your work because I follow you on Instagram. Um, yeah. Where's best for them to contact you and tell us tell us about your your consultancy? Is you've got a website for that as well? Yeah, so it's on its way. So it's going to literally just be danlonsdale.com. Um, it's not up and running yet, but it will be soon. And then my yeah, my Instagram is danlonsdalesc, which just stands for strength and conditioning, and that's the same for my Twitter. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me via email, even just any questions you have, um, it's dan at danlonsdale.com. Fab. Yeah. That's really, I mean, I, I, I really hope people do, you know, um, speak to you because there are so few, um, there are a lot more dance session seek or people with interest in it. Um, I certainly try and draw as many people in as I can to get, get their hands on with dancers, but, um, it's good to have another person out there that would, uh, is certainly, uh, got enough experience and, 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 and uh, contact with an artistic athlete as well, which is crucial. Um, yeah. That, that could possibly give people help people help so thanks very much dan really really appreciate your time that was good i'd like to come see a show that's what i'm gonna see next so okay we, we will we will definitely sort we can sort that out for sure all right brilliant thanks. excellent cheers dan cheers see you later Hi folks, thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed that episode with Dan Lonsdale there. Feel free to leave a comment and give us your feedback. We've got lots of suggestions coming in so far about as to who we should have on next, but I like to kind of leave it as a surprise. So I hope you look forward to the next one.